Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Husmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Husmo Black. Facebook friends, how y'all doing this evening? It's June 7th, 2014, y'all. This year is just about to get away from us. Wow, I don't know where it went. Got a beautiful evening in the, the ATL here. Oh, it must be 90 degrees out there today, y'all. Wow. Hey, summer has uh, set in. We, uh, well, welcome once again, though, to the National Black Forum. You know, our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Without a necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk. Uh, we're coming to you from the ATL. Uh, that's our uh, base of operation. <laughs> Got me the Hushmo driving this show today. As every Saturday from 7 to 9 out here on Blog Talk Radio. Got a great show this evening, y'all. As always, we advocate, we, we advocate, y'all, advocate for social justice on behalf of Americans of African descent. Not because we don't love everybody. We love everybody. Just happen to be uh, part of that community by extension. We find ourselves advocating uh, on their behalf. And Lord knows <laughs> we need all the advocacy. When we can get all of it that we can muster up here. There's so many crazy things going on in the world. It's hard to keep up, you You folks are lucky to have the Hushmore out here trying to decipher all of uh, the stuff that's, uh, that's going on in the uh, in our world. We got, uh, I don't know, y'all, somebody give the husband a shout and let him know who won that Belmont Stakes. California Crown Crown was going for the uh, Triple Crown there. California Chrome, that is. California Chrome that won the Kentucky Derby in the uh, Preakness two legs of the Triple Crown, the Belmont was run today. I, I don't know, I guess it's, what, about uh, 5 o'clock today. I don't know who won that thing. That's why I had a time to, uh, I've not had a time to uh, check the sports out to see what was going on here. We, uh, that that Belmont's been the death of a many of uh, <laughs> champions before. That thing's a mile and a half, y'all. I think it must be uh, what is it, a quarter of a mile longer than uh, the other two uh, races, and that's the Triple Crown. I think it's I think it's a real uh, you got to be a real man to uh, run that thing. Don't let it rain. <laughs> you get caught out there on the muddy track. <laughs> you got you got you got to be a real. That's why I worry about. Uh, 
California Crow, they, I, I think uh, big, bigger forces uh, fear uh, better in that uh, Belmont, I believe. I don't know about that fact. I'm not really a, I don't handle capital. <laughs> but I, I, I believe I, I'm judging everything by Secretariat. Yeah, <laughs> that's my horse. <laughs> Secretariat is over seven feet tall, yeah. I judge everything on all horse racing on Secretariat now. That's just my standard that I go by. Secretariat won uh, the Preakness by, I mean, the Belmont by 25 lengths. Secretariat won that thing in 19, what was it, about to be 1973? Was it 1973? He won that thing by 25 lengths. And when he was, when he crossed the finish line, he was still pulling away. He was still pulling away from the field when he crossed the finish line. <laughs> if it had been a two-mile race, he probably would have lapped the field. <laughs> that that was a real uh, champion right there, y'all. Secretary of this race, that was a real, real champion right there. Hey. I don't know, my Facebook friend, what's up? Hey, uh, 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 the NBA is back at it tonight. Now, I, I got the Spurs in the thing. I'll tell you all a little dirty secret out, out there. The Hushmo's got the, uh, the Spurs to win this thing. Oh, no, I, I had this before. They got up one game. Now, don't, don't, don't be fooled because this thing ain't over by a long shot. The Heat's going to have a lot to say about this thing before it's over. But I, I'm going with the Spurs. I don't know why. I mean, I just got a feeling that Spurs is a uh, is a little better, a little better shape. You see, they turned the heat off in that place the other night. LeBron walking around almost <laughs> crapped up on them, and hey, that's what happened when they turned that heat off in that color. Hey, them boys used to that stuff out there in Texas. Hey, they, they, <laughs> but you. <laughs> They uh, they turned that heat off. They said we're gonna slow Mr. Uh, King James down some kind of way. We're gonna slow King James down. They not turn the air conditioning off. Wow. What else going on in the world, y'all? Yeah, so much stuff going on. Presidents in in uh, Europe celebrating Normandy. Invasion of Normandy, June 6, 1944. It's about six months before the festival was born, you know, that's 70 years ago. I'll be 70 on my next birthday, that's for sure. That's 70 years ago. Uh, yesterday. Wow. I, uh, I can uh, empathize with the uh, old veterans, being a veteran myself. Vietnam veterans, I can, I can definitely relate to uh, the veterans. That's the, those guys are dying off. I mean, you're talking about 80, 90 year old a person right now. World War Two, yeah, seven years ago, they would have to be uh, what, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. That put them at eighty 
seven, eight, nine, maybe, yeah, twenty, yeah. Wow. So yeah, the uh that generation is getting away from us, yeah. Uh great great generation, I mean as far as uh as far as uh patriotic Americans is concerned, those guys are right at the top of the list. Uh, I don't know what we got now. <laughs> I don't know what we got now with the this president. I don't, I don't know what we got now. Uh, that's a big problem. Has a lot to do with the topic that I cover in my new book, y'all, Racism and Hate in American Reality. Believe it or not. Yeah, the black president is at the center of the, uh, this black president is at the center of the stagnation in the government and has nothing to do with governing, but everything to do with uh, racism. Everything to do with racism, yeah. The racializing of the presidency is what's going on before our very eyes. The racializing of the presidency is what's going on before our very eyes, yeah. And it's to the detriment of uh, the country as a whole. We got to speak up about it, call it like it is, tell it like it is. That's what we uh, try to do out there on the high school platform. You got uh, 60 or 70 million people who's railing against the president just because of his race. And that's across uh, the entire society. That cuts across the spectrum of the whole society, yeah? and it's uh, doing tremendous damage to uh, the country. That uh, minority, trade 20, 20 to 30 percent, it's a minority, but a big powerful uh, minority of people in this country uh, don't like uh, this president is railing against everything that he attempted to do in terms of uh, moving the country forward uh, because of his race. The racist. That's just the way it is. We on the high school blackboard, uh, in light of uh, that racism, uh, it affects everything, every poll, everything. Uh, the governing of the country is uh, is uh, is that a, a bottleneck uh, because of. Uh, attitudes of uh, racism, the racializing of the presidency because of this president of African descent. Oh, I think everybody knew it. People pretend, you, you hear them uh, talk about this and that, and they, they, they'll they uh, turn around and make you uh, <laughs> blame you for playing the race card. <laughs> the racists will turn around and blame black people for playing the race card. <laughs> it's, it's the most, uh, it's the most uh, insincere, insincere uh, attempt at uh, rationalizing uh, uh, their own racism that I've uh, that I've seen. Quite remarkable to the extent that uh, some of them would try to uh, 
cover up their own uh, that's what the Dr. Joy uh, DeBru referred to as cognitive dissonance cognitive cognitive dissonance that's how she referred to this uh, phenomenon is it a phenomenon or yeah, it is that this attitude uh, that uh, that uh, the majority of people adopt when they're trying to cover up their own uh, guilt, when they're trying to cover up and hide their own guilt. You know, it's a moral thing. You can't. Uh, I mean, moral moral problems are going to be uh, has has to. Uh, you have to ask to the man upstairs for your moral uh, um, transgressions. I mean, yeah, you can't hide. You can't. You can't change or jump out there with something that's not. Uh, that's not. Uh, that's not from your heart. Because remember, the man upstairs is the moral arbiter of all this stuff and he he beat the heart. <laughs> hey hey Almighty God, he is the author in this thing, yeah. And, and that man reads the heart. Now if he reads the heart how is it that uh you suppose that uh, you can somehow uh keep it from it? But I had your your true feelings. How you gonna do that? How you gonna hide your true feelings from uh, from God Almighty? It, it, it's not a something you can just. Uh, So that's something you can just uh, easily uh, do. Yeah, that's, that's going to take some skill, y'all. Racism and hate in American reality. Y'all check my website out, hushmoblack.com. From there, you can follow all of the Hushmoblack Black Forum uh, uh, pre-recorded archive shows. I've got a uh, blog talk radio button there on the front page there. And also, you can uh, check my my blog page from that from that uh, initial initial web uh, initial front page there. You go to my blog and my blog I, I post blogs out there from time to time and uh, from my book Racism and Hate in American Reality. I've posted some eight excerpts out of that book. Go read them uh, and uh, give you a little. Uh, Give you a little uh, insight into uh, my thinking. Yeah, okay. uh, the subject matter of the book, Rachel and Hate. And, uh, I take a, uh, I put an extra copy of Bob Wilson. I've, I've, I've left it at uh, eight. Eight was is really important. It's the last one I put out there. And uh, I left it there because I want, uh, I want that one to really sink in. With um, my readers, Mr. Poise, 
It's an excerpt uh, dealing with uh, an essay that uh, W.E.B. Du Bois put together in uh, 1947 to present to uh, that uh, he put together to present to the United Nations pretty much seeking reparations at that time for the plight of American draft in the sense. They lay out uh, their journey up to that point and a really, really great, great, uh, great, great uh, um, uh, chronicling of, uh, of and just what the Jim Crow laws was all about and how we fared under them and how we uh, and how horribly uh, we feared under the Jim Crow laws that was in place in 1947. This is uh, prior to uh, prior to uh, prior to Brown returning the Senate vice president. Some seven years before that, this guy uh, <clears throat> lay out a uh, one of the one of the most uh, compelling cases that I've seen yet for uh, reparations. Reparations uh, for American Vacuum Cent because of the Zimco laws that deprived uh, of the uh, 14th Amendment protection. We uh, continue. To this day, to uh, uh, to rely on that uh, that uh, take on uh, our, uh, our fight, we rely on that today to make uh, to help make our argument today that we were indeed injured by the separation laws here in this state of Georgia. That's my home. I was born here in 1945 without any. 14th Amendment uh, protections, very few. Uh, when it came to the purchase of real estate, when it came to public education, when it came to equality in the workplace. So, yeah, it was injured uh, severely for some 90 years. Some 90 years after the Civil War, <clears throat> these separate equal laws were in place throughout the South, throughout the South, and indeed, Plessy, in 1896, codified all the separate equal laws into national law. All of uh, now, uh, now separate equal the necessary uh, uh, wouldn't affect. Uh, outwardly in the north, but then even in the north, they uh, were discriminating against blacks. And uh, in the workplace, uh, um, but uh, as soon as uh, the blacks in the north uh, came below that uh, Mason Dictionary, they had to conform to all of uh, the separate equal laws here in, in that state. They had to move to the back of the bus, y'all. They had to move to the back of the bus. Mr. Herman Cain can tell you about that, moving to the back of the bus. When he was coming up as a kid, and me and him were born in 1945 together, so he was indeed subjected to the same separate laws that I was. He moved right to the back of the bus with me. 
covering up his head. He said that they stay out of the stay out of the people's way. But all Americans of African descent prior to nineteen fifty four were subjected to uh the separate equal laws, was injured by the separate equal laws that was in place by uh, the government, state and federal. State and federal. That's just a fact. When Brown did overturn uh, uh, Plessio set it aside, uh, we, Mary Rackinson, had every right to petition the court for the injuries that had been suffered uh, under Plessio throughout uh, the society. Including the labor unions, the schools, hey, that integrating uh, the schools was uh, one small part of uh, what Plessy did, you know. The segregating uh, the schools was just one part of that separate equal stuff that was going on here. <coughs> it was a lot more to it than that. <coughs> it was a lot more to it than integrating schools, you know. Although education, no doubt, is a powerful, powerful part of uh, the injuries suffered on education. If you're not getting the proper education, you're going to uh, be in a different place. You will be in a different, you find yourself in a different place in society. And we did. Carter G. Wilson, right, a great, uh, told us all about that miseducation of the Negro in 1933. Just as Thurgood Marshall, Charles Hampton Houston, and Oliver Hill were setting out on their journey, on their 20 something year journey. Uh, legal journey to uh, set aside testing. They worked on that thing for 20 years, y'all. The NAACP's legal arm, arm headed up by Charles Hamilton Houston. They worked on uh, separate. Uh, they worked on that uh, the Jim Crow laws that uh, Plessy held in place over 20 years, y'all, and did a fantastic job. They did a marvelous job. I. Uh, my next book, my next book is going to look, uh, I'm not going to give you all the title of it right now, <laughs> but I was working on his third book already, y'all. You know, when you get one, uh, two, you got to write a trilogy. This is my third and final book on uh, the subject matter of uh, <laughs> racism. I think we're going to leave it with three. We might not. We don't know. We're definitely going to republish the first book, so. But we're going to pretty much leave it at three. My third book is coming out. Uh, Our Twelve Disciples is the title. will be the title of it. I, I'll let you know that right now. Our Twelve Disciples. Pretty well, I pretty well zeroed in on that, but it covers our, uh, uh, some of our greatest uh, heroes who fought the fight, fought that fight against uh, uh, separate equal and Jim Crow laws, as, as we see them. There's thousands of people are bearing that, that bore that cross. Thousands of Americans on board that cross to uh, bring down the, uh, the Jim Crow laws uh, that was so uh, devastating to uh, my people. But we 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 uh, narrowed it, narrowed it down and picked up out twelve of them. We picked out twelve of them of them to uh, kind of tell their story and uh, to show how uh, how their uh, their ideals and uh, uh, 
their ideas and, and their uh, uh, tenacity uh, 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 came together to uh, to uh, set aside those uh, Jim Crow laws. That was a monumental effort on uh, a lot of people's part, but uh, freedom for Americans uh, African descent in this country did not come did not come easy. Uh, and it's still it's still we still we still fight fighting for our uh, equality here in this society, and it, and it has a lot to do with racism. You know, it's just uh, just a, a fact. Read my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality. I think I've got a good take on uh, what's behind the uh, uh, the problem with the president, <laughs> the problem with the nation the other day. I call it the racializing of the presidency. That's how I defined it. The racializing of the presidency is uh, what's uh, taking place here, you know? And it's uh, just bringing the, uh, dragging the country down, you know? It's dragging the country down. Hey, y'all, you got me in the hush, bro. Just rambling on this evening. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls here. We'll be right back. Y'all hanging there. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
thing about racism has gotten to the point where this racializing of the presidency has gotten to the point where every single uh, issue that comes before uh, the country through our president's view in uh, this racial uh, uh, this racial uh, uh, prism the uh, release of this prisoner of war. I've never, I've never seen under any circumstance in my whole life, never read about any instance where uh, we have negotiated the return of a prisoner of war, and uh, it turned into <laughs> a political football. I have never seen that uh, until uh, this uh, this president. Uh, and uh, uh, where you have uh, the Republicans, because of this uh, racist uh, segment in their, in their uh, ranks, was forced to uh, turn against this American uh, soldier, this American hero. He joined the service and went to war. He's a hero until, uh, until uh, we find out something else. He's a hero uh, uh, until we find out something else. Uh, from what I've been able to uh, glean so far uh, in the middle of combat, combat, 
combat as hell, y'all. I know. I'm a disabled veteran myself. I'm a disabled Vietnam veteran myself, y'all. I know the uh, perils of uh, combat, the mental stress that uh, uh, that can be placed on a, a young person. I know firsthand. There ain't nothing about what I read about, like uh, half these uh, congressmen who's uh, berating uh, this young American. I know. I was there in the middle of it. Got shot five times, spent a year in the hospital recovering from uh, those injuries. That's not, uh, when I say uh, combat, uh, I'm not going to blame this guy for anything uh, related uh, to uh, his actions while he was in that combat zone. country uh, sent him there. This country sent him there. This country cannot walk away from that. Uh, cannot walk away from uh, uh, its obligation to uh, to uh, do everything within its power to uh, bring uh, that guy uh, back to this country. Uh, uh, and I leave him uh, cooped up there Somebody, somebody suggested that uh, that should uh, that uh, I'm really surprised that John McCain, a prisoner of war himself, is flip flopping on this very issue. It makes him look uh, almost. I, I have a lot of respect for John McCain. I did have a lot of respect for John McCain, though, but I don't know. This this is uh, beyond the pale here. He's coming out lambasting a fellow prisoner of war. <laughs> now that that when John McCain come out and start lambasting a uh, fellow prisoner of war, you know uh, how uh, how uh, uh, the impact that. Uh, this racist arm of the Republican Party have over it. This racist arm of the Republican Party, what uh, what uh, a tremendous amount of influence that this that this uh, segment of that party is having, causing that party to implode in front of our very eyes. Uh, that's what's going on. That's what we're witnessing here: the implosion of uh, the Republican Party right before our, our very eyes. That's what's taking place here, yeah. The implosion of the Republican Party right before our very eyes is what's going on. Because uh, of this, the Dixiecrat uh, segment of the Republican Party, the Dixiecrats has infiltrated uh, <laughs> that Republican Party, y'all. Uh, yes, it is. Y'all don't know. It has infiltrated that Republican Party, y'all. We, uh, we better get a grip, y'all. <laughs> we better pay attention to what's going on here in our world. That's all I'm saying.
John Wade would turn on his fellow combat uh, warrior then uh, to turn on the racist who's uh, driving the agenda in the Republican Party, someone who's never been anywhere uh, outside of the the outside of the hate of their ideology. We never stepped stepped foot outside of the hate that uh, shaped their uh, ideology. He'd rather side with that group than to side with his fellow prisoner of war, an American hero, uh, until we uh, this guy's court martial. He's an American hero. Police court martial and found guilty of something. Uh, first of all, we got to see if he's mentally competent. Do you be? Uh, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> We gotta determine whether the guy's even mentally competent to even uh, uh, to even uh, to even stand trial. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know anything. We didn't convict the guy. The media has been convicted that guy yeah. because of this president, not because of uh, that guy, but because of his uh, president. They, they don't want this president to have no credit for nothing. Uh, no how, no way. They're not giving him credit for nothing. They're trying to get him out of office without giving him credit for anything. Uh see something in the paper today. Nine million dollars been created since the Great Depression uh, of uh, 2000. Uh, the nine, uh, nine million jobs that were lost over the last 10 years have, have been uh, replaced. Or somebody said, oh, but they different kind of jobs. Hey, it might be. <laughs> it might be. But nine million jobs have been added back to the economy. Uh, we, president, I don't know. That's not a function of the president. President, you can't create jobs. The boss is good to point out that uh, the government don't create jobs. Except when this president, except when this black president got in office, now it's the president who's uh, causing the the jobs to not be created. It's the president who's causing the jobs not to be created. So says the Republicans. I don't know where he got it from. I don't know where he got it from. It has to do with. Uh, uh, generations attitudes, I can assure you that.
dug up a study done by Gunnar Murdahl, Dr. Gunnar Murdahl, who did uh, an extensive study on uh, the Negro problem in modern democracy. It says in an American Dilemma, the Negro problem in modern democracy. He did that study from about... Uh, 1938 to 1944, uh, right during the heart of World War II. He uh, was brought over from Sweden, the University of Stockholm, to do an independent study on race relations. That would affect the blacks in the white society, really. Uh, he was commissioned by the Carnegie, <coughs> the Carnegie was foundation now, but it's Carnegie uh, Corporation back then commissioned him to come over to, uh, they had some, of course, they had some, uh, they had some uh, interest in uh, race relations, dealing with how blacks was interacting in the society, how there are the second effects into grading into society impacted the Everything from uh, social behavior to the labor costs to you name it. Uh, so uh, most of the big corporations, you know, well, they, they had a, a, a huge, uh, a huge uh, uh, stake in this thing, how uh, blacks integrated into society. And they had a huge stake in controlling labor costs. They had a huge stake in controlling labor culture, <laughs> which gets to uh, the discrimination in the workplace by corporations under this uh, separate equal uh, guise that, uh, well, separate equal law, what the guys here this law. That that was in place. <clears throat> so they did the study. One of the things that uh, Dr. Gunnar Murdahl <clears throat> found out was that 85% of whites in America at that time, it's 1940s, 19, early 40s, middle 40s, 85% of Americans of European descent, white Americans, held a racial view uh, about uh, Americans of African descent. Eighty-five percent. This is his, this is what he determined after interviewing thousands of uh, whites uh, throughout uh, the North and the South. He determined that eighty-five percent of uh, whites held some kind of racial bias against uh, blacks. Now, that thing today can make the argument, and a lot of people do, that things has really <clears throat> gotten better. Things has really gotten better now. It's 2014. We're talking about uh, some 70 years ago. Uh, Hushmo, that there was all this waste of more. Hey, believe it or not, there's still uh, a lot of races in the country. 
anywhere from 20 to 35 percent of whites hold some sort of racial bias against blacks today. And it's manifesting itself by the treatment, by the racial uh, racializing uh, of uh, the presidency. By the racializing of the presidency. Uh, and it's uh, on view for the whole world to see us. You can't hide it. <laughs> you can't hide what's going on here, y'all. It's, it's all too obvious what's going on. We, we uh, 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 in lieu of uh, what's going on with the uh, this huge uh, block of Americans uh, opposing everything the president does just because of his color, <laughs> we uh, have stopped paying attention to the polling. The polling are it makes the polling uh, 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 <clears throat> irrelevant. Make all polling done on this president irrelevant, yeah. <clears throat> you have 60 or 70 million Americans uh, relevant against this, uh, this president just because of his color and not because of, uh, of the job that he's doing on behalf of Americans. Uh, you, can't, you can't put any kind of faith in uh you can't put any kind of faith in uh, you can't put any kind of faith in uh, <clears throat> you can't put any kind of faith in uh, any kind of polling. It's all bogus. It's all bogus, huh? Yeah. It's all bogus. If you are you talking about That's all bogus. Yeah. They're not, uh, they're not, uh, they don't care. The racists don't care uh, what the president does. That's not their concern. They don't, they don't care what, he can't do anything good. It's just not within their uh, psyche to uh, recognize uh, anything that the president do as uh, uh, somehow positive. They're not going to give them credit for and they don't in the form of the country. And it's harming uh, the country. We Uh, out here on the Hushmore Black Forum, that is, we have got to uh, 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 have the president's back on this. It ain't because he's black. Uh, well, yes, it is because he's black. You can't. I wish I could say that uh, I'm completely uh, non biased in this thing, uh, uh, but uh, I can't be. I'm not no non biased uh, uh, because. There's no way uh, I can be. I suffered the same uh, injustices that this president has suffered. I was born in 1945 here in Georgia without 14th Amendment rights. And uh, those same uh, racist uh, uh, Jim Crow laws that was in, uh, was, in play, was in place when I was born in 1945 
the attitudes that uh, uh, propped them up uh, is still around in uh, some 60 million Americans every day. And uh, this president is uh, still in the brunt of it while he's trying to uh, cover the country on behalf of uh, uh, all of us, on behalf of all 310 Americans, 310 million Americans here. This block, this majority block, is uh, has got the government paralyzed. <laughs> Have the government paralyzed? Hey y'all, we're going to take another quick pause for the calls here. It's about ten minutes to eight. In the ATL, um, I don't know what the temperature is now. Oh boy, I got up there today. I, I mean, it must have got wow, it's 86, 86 at uh, wow, 10 minutes to eight here in the ATL. Well, how did it go today? Uh, it must have got up to uh, about 90 degrees. It's still 86. I've been it's almost eight o'clock. Time in the city, y'all. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Y'all hanging there. You got me to hush, Mo. Hey, we got a uh, call-in number, 1-888-588-3814. Anybody want to jump in, get in line. We'll be back after the break. We'll try to take a call or two. We don't know. We don't take many calls. I think we will. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf. You're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
long stretch uh, that last uh, half mile, you're going to be uh, yeah, you could be in big, big trouble. That happens a lot in this race. <clears throat> Not a real race, but I've been I, I follow the Triple Crown is about the only three races that I'll uh, that I'll have any interest in over, over a year. Uh, I just like all the sports. Of course, those things are national. Uh, those are national uh, events. Uh, those the Triple Crown, those are national events. But. We, uh, that the nation get caught up in. So, you know, we like us big events over here in this country. We get over yesterday. <clears throat> Whether it be the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA championships, which is going on now, you know, the NBA championships. I'm, that's what I, like I said, we, we go, I'm going with the Spurs, but I don't know. If they have to turn the heat up in the gym to slow uh, the king down, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to get away with that. The air conditioning went out, and I don't know how that air conditioning went out out there in that uh, big old, big old uh, arena where the Spurs play it out there in San Antonio, Texas. Out of there anyway. It got to be 120 degrees in that thing, they say, on the court. Now, I know that's too hot to be running up and down that hardwood floor talking about you playing basketball. Now, I know that for a fact. That's way too hot to be running up and down that court, you know, talking about you playing basketball. LeBron James was cramping up like a big dog in the fourth quarter, and they missed him. He needed to sit down. One of the crucial moments of that game. We don't know how that game would have went. Had he not uh, crept up like that, we don't know the outcome of that game. I'll tell you that right now. Nobody knows the outcome of that game. <clears throat> With him cramping up and not being able to go. Yeah, we we are. But uh, the only good thing they got to go back to Miami, you know. They got to go back to Miami and play. <laughs> and uh, I don't think uh, something tell me the air conditioning is not going to go out uh, in Miami. Something just tell me that the air conditioning is not going to go out down in Miami. Uh, it might. But I got a sneaking suspicion that that thing's going to work just fine, you yeah. The racializing of the presidency is uh, our topic tonight, yeah, dealing with uh, uh, the politics uh, 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 that's on display uh, before our very eyes. uh, It's all too evident to me that uh, uh, racism uh, has reared its ugly head uh, in our national politics, you know. And it's uh, destroying uh, our democracy. Man, racism is destroying our democracy. Anytime the president is 
is uh, is uh, checkmated, really, uh, by a, a small group of uh, racists. Uh, not allowing uh, any government, uh, uh, the, any governing of the country to take place here. That's, uh, yeah, that's what's going on now, yeah. The racialization of the presidency. That's what's going on with this uh, president of Africa, see. Doing a great job, too. This guy's doing a hell of a job, yeah, on paper. This guy's doing a hell of a job, yeah. He ended one, he took office with two wars going, you know, and uh, uh, the greatest depression since the Great Depression, all on this plate at the same time, you know. <laughs> now we done added those nine million jobs back in there, 200,000 a month. When he took over, we losing those 500,000 jobs a month. They kind of going to shed in that. In January of 2009, the country lost. 500,000 jobs plus that month, that single month. When the president took office, that was where he was. That's where the country was. Came a long way since then. We came in, it could, uh, could be a lot further along the way. If uh, the president had a partner in Congress to work with, to do some just some basic things to uh, improve uh, the the infrastructure, for instance, just improving that job, could have passed the immigration reform. There's so many things we could have done uh, with just a if don't be for uh, the Congress railing against this president because of his color. Period. That's it. You know, stop it. Don't it. I don't want to hear nothing else that we know all too well what's going on. We know all too well what's going on. It ain't the president's policy because uh, John McCain and a lot of those others uh, had uh, the same idea that it was uh, <coughs> was incumbent upon uh, America to uh, go in there and uh, get that uh, last American prisoner of war out before this war ended, as we ended the war in Afghanistan, and we incumbent upon the president, the commander-in-chief, by the way. Uh, uh, The Constitution gives the commander-in-chief a wide range of, uh, a wide latitude in terms of uh, his uh, ability to uh, make deals uh, to get our prisoners back, by the way. That he was well within uh, his authority. Remember, the president, the president uh, is uh, one third of the government. <laughs> He's one third of the whole government, the executive branch. Uh, uh, they happen to be in charge of uh, the military. <laughs> the third of the press that's uh, in charge of the military and responsible for uh, the personnel uh, in the military. That's who's sending them to war and get them out of war. Uh, that's his responsibility, get them out of war, into war, into out of war. That's the president's responsibility. That's his first responsibility. And that's what he did. Yeah, I'm thankful to him. And, uh, I'm sure his parents are. 
the right wing, as with the war, and the sons of Bird, heirs. They would the, uh, have went to war with them and uh, openly attacking this guy's parents, huh? They're openly attacking this Sarva's parents for, uh, probably, I don't know, one guy says because the guy's got a beard. He looked like a Taliban. He must be sympathetic with him. This is a, this is a guy's, I don't know how you know. I, I don't know anything about the guy's fault, I don't but uh, they're attacking the, the prisoner of war, the guy that America's been held on five years. This is uh, Rush Limbaugh, where he never did nothing but run his mouth on the radio, making a billion dollars a year running his, his mouth. And he, <laughs> this is a disgrace, yeah. I'm almost ashamed of the politics that's going on in the country, but I am going to call it out like I see it. That's racism, y'all. That's all it is. I'm going to call it like a T.I. is. I ain't going to sugarcoat it. I can't sugarcoat it. Uh, uh, what's going on here with this president and the uh, governing of the country where it's at? It's in a horrible, horrible uh, uh, statement now. Because of uh, the attitude of uh, a segment of uh, of our people. we got to come out of it. Because of uh, the small amount of uh, people in the society who, uh, who can't seem to get away from uh, their affairs. I said, it's in the DNA. I think it's passed on generationally. From generation to generation, so many people are coming to this world uh, racist. The University of Texas, that's not something I dreamed up, by the way. The University of Texas did a study of whether or not new babies, newborn babies, are racist. <laughs> And yes, indeed, they found that a six-month-old baby can have racial attitudes. <laughs> now, hey, Newsweek uh, wrote it up. Newsweek, September uh, 2009 issue of Newsweek. Go get it. And see if not the uh, University of Texas uh, didn't do a research like that in 2009 uh, talking about exactly what I just said. Racism is passed on uh, through uh, DNA, spinning grain in uh, the culture of uh, our society for 400 years. Uh, some 400 years. <laughs> we uh, uh, have to be on guard against the uh, the evilness of uh, racism. I think not only uh, it's harmful to uh, to uh, black people, it's harmful to white people and the uh, society uh, at large. This thing don't just affect uh, one group of people. 
the harbingers of uh, racism uh, might be over here, but uh, the effects of it uh, uh, damages damages, uh, the entire society. Hey, Tanisha, Tanisha Coates, you got a great article in the Atlantic Magazine. Um, the Case for Reparation, he titles it. 250 years of slavery, nine years of Jim Crow, 60 years of separate equal, 35 years of state sanctions, re-Atlantic. No, it's all that. <laughs> hey, he's got a great uh, take on, uh, he makes a great case for uh, reparations, huh? And it's a microcosm of millions of uh, stories uh, that uh, exist here in the country. Can you get on USA, US of A, uh, under separate equals that devastated the uh, chance of Americans economically that play uh, uh, a major uh, part in uh, the economic inequality that exists uh, today in the country. It exists in the country because of uh, the fact that we never reckoned for the injuries that we suffered, starting with the 46 million acres in the Southern Homestead Act. Starting there, uh, in that Southern Homestead Act, the state owned books for 10 years from 1866 to uh, 1876, the Southern Homestead Act was in play uh, with 46 million acres up for grabs, uh, set aside mostly in, uh, 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 for uh, the ex-slaves. When they repealed that law in 1876, uh, a full 43 million acres was turned back over to the government. kept out of the hands of the blacks through the separate equal Jim Crow laws that was in place at the time. Nothing else, yeah. that's just fact. That's what we show in my book, Racism and Native American Reality. Uh, those 46 million acres could have made all the difference in the world, would have made all the difference in the world uh, had uh, uh, the newly freed uh, ex-slaves that have been allowed to uh, buy that land, have been able to occupy that land, much like the ranches out there in the West in the Southern Homestead Act of 1862, some 200 million acres was distributed to uh, most of the white folks that settled in the West. The Southern Homestead Act was no different. It was all federal land. Wasn't uh, the ex-slave uh, owners' land, this 46 million acres was all federal government land uh, that they that they set aside to uh, uh, to assimilate to, to better assimilate the uh, ex slaves into the American society. They need uh, uh, and they knew this. Abraham Lincoln and the Republicans knew uh, through uh, uh, several meetings with the abolitionists uh, uh, and people like Frederick Douglass and Stevenson and 
just a whole bunch of uh, abolitionists uh, advocating the, uh, the overthrow of slavery had told uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln the three main things that the slaves would need, the ex-slaves would need, once the war was over and he had emancipated them, would be an education, uh, real estate, uh, and a certain uh, small amount of capital to uh, uh, to take home and, uh, uh, in their new found uh, uh, freedom. They needed education because they found that any of them were illiterate when the war was over. It was against the law to educate the slaves. It was against the law to educate the slaves here in uh, this country, here in Georgia. Can you imagine that? And you expect those uh, five million people just emancipated, 85% of them illiterate, to... Uh, to uh, just pick up and uh, uh, do this thing uh, uh, on their own here, uh, assimilating into this new white society who, uh, who uh, uh, 85% of the majority at that time uh, have a uh, racial bias against uh, them socially uh, intermingling uh, uh, into uh, uh, white society. It, it 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 was just mind-boggling uh, uh, what happened, what should have happened. What happened was the uh, uh, the ex-slave owners here in the South uh, and the industrialists in the North, after Reconstruction, after uh, uh, Reconstruction, this long drawn-out period of uh, so-called Reconstruction, uh, uh, getting uh, the cessation of states uh, back into the Union and uh, enacting the 13th, 14th, 13th Amendment and all that stuff. Uh, they were tired of dealing with uh, 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 after 600,000 people had died. Uh, the nation was tired of war, tired of, uh, uh, of the Civil War, tired of the uh, after effects of it, and tired of dealing with black folks' problems now. Tired of dealing with the black folks' problem who had just been uh, emancipated from 300 years of slavery, but in seven years they want to wash their hands of it. <laughs> they, they, the North and the South both, uh, they were ready to wash their hands of this slavery problem here. They repeal, uh, they still got this racial bias against uh, socially uh, allowing the blacks to assimilate into uh, uh, the society. So they, uh, 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 overlooked uh, the North, overlooked the Jim Crow laws that the South uh, put in place, which, uh, uh, in all practical, uh, for all practical purposes, took away the 14th Amendment right of the blacks uh, that had just got the 14th Amendment <laughs> rights. Uh, and, uh, to keep them separated out of segregated out of society and to control the cost of labor. It's where the South and the North came together, the industrialists of the South and the uh, the uh, aristocrats of the South who was controlling the economics uh, of the uh, two uh, economies. 
They want to still control uh, the labor of the blacks, keep it as close to slave labor as possible. And they succeeded to do that for a long time. Through the Jim Crow, uh, set what equal law. Yeah, that's how they do it. That's how they do it. Yeah, baby. Yet, they wonder, they, they are in the day trying to look at it with, a, some, with one eye, <laughs> one hand covered over one eye, trying to figure out why it is there, uh, and everything is everything, everything is equal. Uh, ain't no race, race ain't got nothing to do with this. Uh, why is uh, there such an economic uh, 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 disparity between the two groups? Why is it that way? It's that way because... Uh, the blacks who was injured by the separate equal laws were never reparated, never uh, given uh, uh, reparations for those injuries. That's why it's that way. That's why it's that way. Uh, nothing else. Just stop all the other bull. It's that way. We should have petitioned the court back there. To the petition that court back there in 1954 for financial reparations. Pretend it's not too late. It's not too late today, today to petition the court for financial reparations for those injuries. Those Americans of African descent born prior to uh, 1954 belong to a class of Americans injured by those separate equal laws. I'm, I'm one of those parties too. Uh, 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 those uh, uh, injuries, subjected to those uh, discriminating, uh, devastating uh, injuries, and we need to uh, petition this uh, this attorney general to. Uh, to push the court on our behalf for those uh, reparations that we won, uh, that was litigated for over 20 years uh, uh, in uh, the court ruled in our favor in that 1954 uh, decision. It was not just about uh, it was not just about uh, innovating schools, although that was a big part of it. It was a, a, about a lot, lot more. It was about a lot, lot more, including um, reparations for injuries, financial reparations for injuries suffered. Even if it was nothing, say, let's, let's say, for instance, if it was nothing but for um, integrating the school, just for school integration, that alone injured us big time. Oh, yeah, we, we do financial reparations just for that, just for that alone. That was the only thing it was about. But uh, indeed, it was about a lot more. It was about a lot more. The labor unions was segregated. Imagine that. The labor unions themselves were segregated. This is a big deal. The labor unions were segregated. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine the effect of a of segregated uh, labor unions. It devastated us for a long time. We uh, we finally we uh, 
we finally got a uh, Porter's Union, a black Porter's Union. Now, this is <laughs> going back to that train. We can't, we can't uh, ride on uh, the train with whites, but we can wait. We can work and wait <laughs> on the whites. <laughs> hey, y'all, this doesn't make any sense, y'all. We can't ride on the train in the train cars with the white people, but we can work in there. We can wait on them. <laughs> we, we can wait on them, uh, feed them, and the likes uh, on that train. We just can't uh, sit there. Now, we can stand on our foot working and mopping the floors and uh, all day. What we can't do is, we just can't sit. We can't sit and uh, we can't sit in that uh, train. We can work there. Uh, separately, so we can work. We just can't sit there. We could be in that room, walking up and down as a as a third porter, waiting on white people uh, all day in the mix of the white people. But once we take that white uniform off and look for somewhere to uh, sit down after standing on our feet, working eight hours uh, <laughs> or twelve hours, how long ever it is. And we need to sit. We can't sit down in that white car with the white people. We can't. <laughs> hey y'all, does that make any sense? Does it make any sense? <laughs> this uh, this separate equal thing, yeah. Do it make any sense to anybody? Uh, it don't make sense, y'all. Huh? It don't make sense because uh, hmm. no, it don't make sense. It it will never make sense. Uh, and then people look around and tend to be somehow surprised. Somehow pretend to be somehow surprised that they're surprised at the fact that uh, that uh, there's an economic inequality and people are mad. <laughs> So hard about it. There's nothing hard about it. 
That's not the hard about that. There's nothing hard about it. We've got, uh, as a community, we have got to continue to raise the. We have to get. We have to uh, continue to engage in the conversation um, and demanding. Regardless of uh, who get who uh, get mad about it, regardless of who get mad about it, we have got to continue to uh, demand uh, our reparation for injury suffered. We can't uh, we can't uh, allow someone else's feelings to. Uh, Stop us from uh, demanding our just uh, uh, justice. We we can't. Uh, we I'm not gonna do it. I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. Uh, I'm gonna forever. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep on keeping on. I'm gonna keep on uh, demanding my. A reparation from uh, from the government of uh, the state of Georgia and uh, the federal government. Both of those uh, governments was uh, complicit in uh, my injury. Both of them were. Uh, yeah, you gotta go. I'm going up to both of them. I'm demanding from both of them. We as a community need to. Uh, Get a petition up. We've got to get a petition up that I'll be uh, putting on my website uh, in the next in the next few uh, days. Getting a petition for uh, all those born prior to uh, 1954 to sign, so that we can get it out to our uh, congressmen and to uh, the attorney general with our. Uh, with our beef on it, uh, with our, uh, yeah, a hundred thousand signatures, send it right to the president's uh, desk. And he, he already said anybody with a hundred thousand uh, signatures, any petition coming to his website with a hundred thousand signatures, I think it's forty thousand, that uh, he'll uh, respond to. It. And that's what we've got to do. That's what we need to do. Is one thing we need to do. I mean, there's a lot of different. Uh, Avenues that people are proposing that we follow to uh, demand our reparation. Demand is just one of many. And I'm not turning against any of them. I say we all, whoever's got a uh, uh, an idea about how to go about uh, extracting uh, reparations uh, from the government who uh, indeed wounded us. Uh, I'm all for. It. I, I'm willing to look at it. I'm just not going. To, uh, I'm not uh, vacating my uh, idea about uh, my uh, uh, my uh, goal. My well, my uh, idea on how to uh, go about getting it. And that is. Uh, 
to base it on uh, the Fourteenth Amendment violations that uh, we got caught up in and uh, Plessy set aside, I mean, or Brown set aside in 1954. I, I contend that we don't have to relitigate uh, anything. We've already got the case. Our case has already been litigated. When the eight farmer from Connecticut uh, sued for racial discrimination in the workplace, indeed, that Brown versus Board of Education was uh, one of the precedents that was used in that case. <laughs> it's the mother of all uh, 14th Amendment violation cases, though. No matter where hey, that Brown case came up in that, I let you know that uh, what Brown did was not just about uh, school integration, but indeed was more about uh, 14th Amendment violations. Yeah, that's the whole thing. You know, the 14th Amendment, you can't just separate one little nugget out like over here is separate equals bad over here. It's different. We didn't mess with it. Uh-uh. When they set aside uh, Clemson, they set aside all the separate equal laws. Got separate, got uh, set aside there. You know? We got to realize that all the separate equal laws got set aside there in 1954 ruling. Uh, the restrictions on my plot of land that I live on today, uh, I couldn't have bought that land when I was born in 1945. My father could not have bought that land. It had a restriction on it, uh, not to be sold to anyone of African descent. Pretty good neat way to gerrymander uh, the congressional districts and deny uh, people equal access uh, and to keep the uh, to keep the uh, neighborhoods segregated. It worked well for that. But it discriminated injured uh, millions of people, including me and my family and my people. So, yeah, we, <laughs> that, that thing was in place, yeah. That, that, uh, uh, the restrictions on real estate. <laughs> you could put a restriction on your, on real estate Demand uh, uh, the sale of it to anyone of African descent. Imagine the consequences of that. That had devastating, that had devastating uh, consequences on uh, on the black community. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you got to be uh, pretty sit around and try to make some kind of argument where uh, that doesn't have any effect. That's nonsense. That's, who can make that? Who can make such an argument that uh, the separate equal? First of all, who, who want to make the argument that the separate equal laws are there with a, a negative effect? <laughs> and if they did, if can't make that argument, then uh, where is my reparation? Yeah, where where is the reparation? Where is my reparation? They didn't pay me for the interest. Uh, you know, so, you know, uh, petition the court. Okay, I'm petitioning the court now. 
I want to petition the court now. There's no such thing as uh, a statute of limitation on genocide. No such thing as a statute of limitation on genocide. Hey, those separate equal laws are uh, nothing short of genocide. Nothing short of genocide, yeah. Hundreds of now thousands of uh, blacks lost their lives in that uh, hundred years after the Civil War through lynching, through mob violence, through uh, all kinds of uh, uh, outrageous uh, acts of violence against them. Yeah. We uh, got a great case. Y'all look at my case. Go look at the... Go look at uh, Tanisha Coates' case for reparations. Go look at my case uh, for reparations and racism and hate in American reality. Uh, And uh, see what you think. Hey, everybody. Everybody got a share in this struggle, yeah. We can't just uh, uh, sit on the sidelines waiting for someone else to uh, carry this cross for you. Everybody in our community have to step up, speak up, and sign up, uh, sign this uh, reparation petition, asking uh, the Attorney General of the United States to... uh, petition the Supreme Court on our behalf. Um, those tasks of Americans born prior to 1954 who happens to be of African descent. Uh, it was party to uh, the injuries uh, held in place by Plessy. Uh, we want reparations. I want reparations right now. We're going to close that uh, Income equality gap. It should have been closed a uh, hundred years ago, but with the uh, set aside of the 46 million acres of uh, uh, land, uh, the promised land <laughs> uh, in the Southern Homestead Act, we wouldn't be here today talking about the uh, economic inequality had that uh, land been uh, provided to those. Uh, ex-slaves, people who had slaves in the country for some 250 years by me, free labor under the most grueling uh, circumstances. Under the most grueling inhumane circumstances uh, imaginable. Some of man's uh, worst inhumanities uh, toward his fellow man occurred in the chattel slavery that existed in this country some of man's greatest humanity uh, toward his fellow man occurs here in this country. There's a moral dilemma here that uh, has to be satisfied. There's a moral dilemma here that has to be satisfied. That ain't what I say. <laughs> that ain't me talking, you The dogma of the Christian religion uh, says as much. The dogma of the Christian religion under which uh, my people were enslaved for the most part. The Christian religion, which is what most 
which is the religion that enslaved most of my people here in this country. Now, Islam did a big fair share of uh, raping uh, the motherland uh, and enslaving uh, my people, too. But I'm just dealing with uh, the enslavement of uh, the Africans here in uh, this country, the United States of America, the 400-year history of uh, that uh, group of people. And those and that was uh, Christians. Started with the Dom Diversity issued by Nicholas Pope Nicholas V in fourteen fifty two. Started with that Dom Diversity yeah, that allowed the King of Portugal and the King of Spain to enslave uh, the West Africans among other heathens. <laughs> non Christians, they everybody went to Christian was a heathen. So they say. <laughs> so they say. Yeah. Whoever wasn't uh, this was that. There's a moral problem here today, dealing with this uh, economic inequality. Because huh? uh, you know, no, not the one solution to this problem here. Any solution to this problem has to include, uh, include reparation. Yeah. That's my final uh, take on it. We, it's not because we don't work hard enough. We can open up all the doors in the world. Everything's everything right now. Uh, ain't no race, race. Ain't got nothing to do with anything. They send aside all that racial quotas and all that stuff. They spend it all apart now that we... Uh, <laughs> Now that we're so behind, far behind economically, that we can't, uh, no way we can work out. We got it. We're some of the hardest working people in the world. We worked here in this country 300 years for free. So it ain't about how hard we work. That's, a, that's crazy. We're some of the hardest people, working people in the world. American rights in the sense. And right now we're working 120th with the average. Uh, Family of four of Americans are in the sense work more than 20th, but the average family of whites that work right today because of uh, the fact we were never reparated. We never got reparations for our injuries suffered in an oppressive state and separate equal laws. Yeah, we got a right to. Uh, Expect. We have, got to, we have a right to expect uh, 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 the government to compensate us when uh, their laws injure us. That's no different than uh, we're no different than anybody else, any other group in the society. Uh, we. Uh, Wow, y'all, it's about uh, quarter till nine, y'all. This evening is about to get away from us. It's been my plum pleasure and pleasure being out here with you all again in cyberspace. The social media, boy, is really, <laughs> it's really taking uh, uh, the communications uh, uh, to another level, y'all. When a, a, a person such as a, a small uh, uh, 
a small entity like uh, the Hushmo Black Forum can get out and mix in and uh, mingle with mix and mingle with millions of uh, people. It's just fantastic. Uh, it's really fantastic in terms of uh, <clears throat> the possibilities that it uh, presents. Uh, I urge everybody to uh, who's got something to say to check out Blog Talk and get out and uh, make your uh, voices heard. Everybody in our community who's got something to say, make your voices heard. Uh, if you don't want to get out there and uh, vocalize your uh, opinion yourself, call the Hushmo. That's what we're here for, for, to provide a platform for those who either don't have a uh, vehicle to force uh, their uh, opinion or uh, choose not to. Which preferred uh, to have uh, someone else uh, articulate their, uh, their point of view. Hey, call the ice if you think we uh, got something in common. <laughs> if you think uh, you and I have something in common and you uh, need somebody to advocate on your behalf, uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, That's what we do. I was in the high school blackboard. But we need more and more people to uh, tell that story. Like uh, Tanisha Coates. He's a journalist, by the way. Tanisha Coates, he uh, told the story of Gentleman from Chicago, Mr. Uh, uh, Clifford uh, Ross, who uh, was his name? Clyde Ross, Mr. Claude Clyde Ross. Today he. Tell his story. Born in 1923, didn't migrate to Chicago sometime in the 50s and uh, found that uh, while the overt uh, racism that existed in the South wasn't as overt in uh, Illinois, indeed, uh, there was racism there, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> hey, there was racism there. Uh, in the north, but my family migrated from <coughs> Henry County to Ohio back in the forties, late forties, early fifties. Uh, from the forties through the fifties, uh, we found uh, the same experience. I mean, uh, racism. I mean, that was integrated into white society in a much more inclusive way. For the first time when I got there in 51, 52, 53, uh, uh, integrated in this white world that I didn't know anything about. I started with the school here in 51, 52, all white school, 
all the segregated schools, I should say, here in Georgia, then get to Ohio and uh, <laughs> uh, mix in with all these white people for the first time, integrated school system. That was a cultural shock for me. The fact that it made me repeat third grade over when I got there. I don't know if there's something about the inferior schools in the segregated South. Uh, they made everybody automatically uh, repeat uh, uh, their previous grade. We, uh, but anyway, uh, Clyde Ross, he uh, moved to Chicago from Mississippi. A lot of, a lot of Mississippians are black. Uh, when they was migrating, trying to get out of the cotton fields and such, they uh, wound up in New York and Milwaukee uh, up that way, uh, straight up to Mississippi, all the way to uh, Minneapolis and Minnesota and up around that way. We, uh, they, uh, but his story, uh, he tell a story of the housing uh, scams that was going on in Chicago when blacks was trying to integrate the uh, white neighborhoods up there in the 50s. Uh, and, uh, just a great, great piece of history. Uh, we got uh, we got millions of millions of uh, of stories just like uh, Mr. Clyde Ross's that we need told, that we need told. We need to let everybody know our story, our history. Now, I don't know it. We, we, we want to put it out in the public domain so they can see uh, what we're talking about here. And the stuff all the old, uh, uh, this uh, baloney that uh, they're trying to uh, uh I'll pull over our ass here uh, about uh, something being uh, 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 some wealth redistribution. It ain't wealth redistribution. That's a bunch of junk. It's a debt uh, owed that hasn't been paid. That's what we're uh, advocating for. Not wealth redistribution. Poor white folks ain't got no money. Slave poor blacks ain't got no money. All the money is tied up in the, in the top of one percent. We're petitioning the government. That's what we're petitioning the government. Uh, now, don't, don't come with me with this we the people. <laughs> if we the people of the government, we the people better be prepared to uh, call for uh, the reparation. But I'm dealing strictly with the government of the state of Georgia and the federal government who, uh, whose laws uh, in my family. Yeah. yeah. We we weren't so concerned about uh, where the money was coming from when they bailed out uh, Wall Street with some eight hundred um, billion dollars. Gerald Moore with another, uh, or Detroit with another four or five hundred billion dollars. We weren't so concerned about we the people being the government and that's our money when we bail those two uh, entities out. We don't do. We're classical Americans who've been injured by uh, the laws of the country. In fact, we uh, have more of a claim to uh, uh, reparations uh, uh, than uh, uh, the bailout of the banks who had the predatory uh, banking industry. We gave them just 800 uh, 
billion dollars of federal money. No, I might have said, but that's taxpayer dollars too, right? Hey, we're going to do the same thing for reparations owed. That's a debt owed by the government. Pay up. Pay your debt. Yeah, it's moral debt, too. It's the moral and the legal uh, debt that reparations are. If we don't get it legally, <laughs> hey, guess what? I got a backup, yeah? <laughs> I got a backup. If we don't get reparations legally, the reparations that we've already won through uh, some many years of litigation, uh, we're going to get it uh, some other way. Might have to bring the man upstairs in on it. The man upstairs might have to be brought in on this uh, dilemma that uh, you're having here in the society. An American dilemma with the Negro problem in modern democracy is how uh, Dr. Gunnar Murdahl put it back there in 1944. The Negro problem in modern democracy. Wasn't so much a Negro problem as it was an American problem. Uh, and then falsified, falsifying their uh, definition of uh, what they were overall to the rest of the world, uh, uh, pretending to be this. Uh, all-inclusive uh, democracy to the rest of the world, which was a lie. That's not what uh, the country was. It's still living today. Still living today. And has it gotten better? Yeah, marginally. I mean, it's gotten better from the 85% to down to, what, 20 to 30%? Uh, of races in the country today. That's a big improvement. But the negative impact, the negative impact uh, today with the, this president, this president of African descent, uh, the negative impact of uh, the 20 to 30% uh, that are racist is Huge. It is huge. And because it cuts across all segments of the society, you come up with people like the Koch brothers involved in it, who may or may not be racist, but certainly with billions and billions of dollars, if they were, and I suggest that some of them are, you can do a lot of damage, and a lot of damage is being done right today with money and uh, ideology. A lot of money in the racial uh, ideology can do a lot of damage to this country and and it's uh, playing uh, out and uh, before your very eyes. This thing is playing out before your very eyes and you ought to be uh, 
You could be uh you could be uh blind to it. But uh it's paying out. Learn more about it in my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, y'all. Go to my blog uh, uh, site, hushmoblack.com. You can pick up a copy there. The e-edition is $3.99. The horror copy is $15.99. Go check my book out. It's a great read. It's timely and uh, make a great case for uh, for reparations for one, but also shed, uh, shed insight into... Uh, uh, the effects uh, of separate equal on the, uh, the African-American community here. Hey, y'all. Wow, hot time flies when you're having fun, y'all. We're just about uh, at the end of the road here. We're going to come back next week and do it all over again on the Hushmo Black Forum. Y'all tell a friend about uh, about us and come out and join us. Go. Uh, remember, my shows are archived at hushmoblack.com. You can go there and Find all our uh, our, our shows. I remember we need everybody to be a part of this uh, struggle, struggle for social justice. Y'all, it's still a struggle, and it's just that—a struggle. We need everybody to uh, uh, help lift this cross. We need everybody. Uh, Make your voices heard. Tell your story. let them know we're indeed injured by uh, the oppressive laws of the state and you want uh, to be uh, compensated for those injuries. Hey y'all, that's just about going to do it for the Hushbow here. We'll uh, be back uh, with you next next week, same time, same station, y'all. Until then, uh, y'all be good and ciao. Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.